This is Green is the New Black, a podcast by Oikos Lisbon. My name is Joana Monteiro, bringing today's episode to you from my computer so we can socially distance. Welcome everyone to this very exciting podcast we have today. I am joined by Darshit and Jamit, who are brothers and the owners of Scoop and Dough. Welcome guys. Welcome. Hi, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> thank you for inviting us and uh, it's our pleasure to be here. Thank you. Okay, so you have an ice cream and donut shop in downtown Lisbon, but I would say that you don't exactly fit the profile of a typical cafe owner. Can you tell me a bit about yourselves and your background? Uh, well, uh, we're both exactly as you say, we have nothing like... Uh, uh, no background in hospitality industry. Uh, he's a medical doctor. I'm a sports dietitian by profession. And uh, uh, we have come from basically a health background, but um, both of us have a passion for food, you can say. And yeah. it's simply um, throughout our, a few happenings in our life, it just made us uh, switch or pause our careers to pursue um, another passion of ours, which is, in this case, ice cream and donuts. So we try to make the best of it. <laughs> yeah, it's a great passion, I'd say. <laughs> um, so you've both been vegan for a while, right? Um, well, yeah, he's been for longer than me. Um, the shit has been for since 2015. I uh, turned vegan afterwards in okay. 2015. So was there anything in particular that inspired you to take, I guess, this personal choice of being vegan and then turning it into a business idea? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, basically, my my dad is a, a business owner. So uh, we've and even in uh, within our uh, because we come from an Indian background. And uh, within our Indian uh, community, most people are business owners of some sort. Uh, so we've always had that kind of uh, incentive to, to uh, own a business. Uh, and obviously, my dad was an example. Uh, so the idea of making a business was always there for me, personally. Uh, but it's just never occurred to me that I would be in the vegan vegan or food business at all. So uh, I just try to do a lot of things in nutrition at that time. Uh, but then there was no really, uh, how do you say, uh, a unique idea that I would say, hey, this is something new and this is something that has not been done before. So that never came up. But then when I turned vegan, uh, that was in 2015. Uh, I watched a lot of documentaries and obviously as a, as a dietitian, I was up to date with the scientific information, uh, not just with the environment, but regarding health and stuff like that. So I was always up to it, but I made the, the decision was only made like in 2015 to become a vegan because I thought, hey, my, my personal values don't match what I'm practicing. So that's when I decided to switch. But as a family, we always had, you know, we always used to take pleasure out of food. So like many families do. And one of the habits we had was to go to uh, ice cream shops, the artisanal ice cream shops uh, every, every weekend. So this was literally a habit. Every weekend we'd go to eat somewhere in Lisbon, uh, different ones. It wouldn't always be the same. 
uh, to eat ice cream. But when I turned vegan, what we noticed that I was getting more and more irritated because I didn't have any ice cream to eat. I could only eat water-based ice creams. And it got boring. <laughs> it yeah, got I know. Boring. The fruit and ones are usually the ones that are vegan. And yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, so sorbets are not the same as ice cream. Yeah. So my dad was like, uh, in one of those tr uh, those journeys uh, we had, my dad was just like, hey, why don't we just create an ice cream shop for you, for people like you? And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. And it, it actually turned into something serious. So that's when Scoop and Dough uh, was born. And um, we immediately started following up uh, seriously on the matter. And we started working, I started, because I had a nutrition background, I started working with uh, ice cream recipes and understanding how ice cream science actually works. Uh, because ice cream is a science, it involves a lot of nutritional components uh, from sugar levels, from fat levels, to how, it, how uh, these nutritional values interact with different temperatures. So I started understanding a bit the science. And... Um, Later on, we, we obviously then you do a business, also a business study on what's the potential of ice cream business. And what we found out is that a lot of people told us that ice cream is very seasonal. Uh, and that's when donuts came in. So we wanted to make an inclusive project that was, hey, we have a product all year round. So I'll just add that um, in terms of a business idea, it, it wasn't that much of a business idea at the time it was more like a personal need for for my brother and it, it just grew naturally you know you you become vegan in an environment where uh or a city where you can't find many options and um you know um as we grew up sorry uh as vegetarians we always had that um curiosity from friends asking us oh so what do you eat what do you not eat um how do you make your food and i guess it's always been uh within us to show people uh what we eat so kind of grew like that and at the same time you know we we wanted to uh contribute to our community and uh, to make other people feel connected at the same level that we are to food but with more eth ethical options. So that's, uh, that's where um, our personal um, difficulties of finding vegan food that was delicious um, started to merge with a business idea. And um, so it became our sort of mission to um, bring very, very delicious food. No, doesn't matter um, what what diet you follow you, you just want to eat because it's delicious yeah. so so that people can actually um whether they they want to like whether they decide that they want to be vegan or not that's up to them but in the end they they end up consuming more um ethical uh products and more conscious um options yeah exactly i think that's that's the main point like it's just, it's so good that you don't even know that it's vegan. Like you could never tell the difference. Um, but I know you did this for, um, so to have more options on like a, a more uh, personal side, but is there any like um, maybe sustainability aspect to, to your store? Was there Definitely. any concern? I, I think 
so obviously we don't um, show ourselves as like the most sustainable um, place and shop around Lisbon because that's not the idea. The idea is to bring people together at our, at our shop and to have them eat vegan food. But just the fact that we serve vegan food turns out to be more sustainable than traditional food. Yeah, so um, just with that small uh, difference, you already achieve uh, such a higher um, impact impact in terms of sustainability. And obviously, um, within our values, we the main value is the vegan philosophy and around it are other core values. But so we do work in terms of um, circular economy, like we do take care of those aspects and try to waste as little as possible in terms of ingredients, uh, in terms of having less waste, in terms of recycling and all of the all of the tasks that that uh, should be present in any sort of business. And we we decided from the beginning, even uh, before it was like uh, common now, uh, to use uh, non-plastic uh, uh, um, like tools or yeah yeah utensils or um, uh, disposables. Uh, before it was even a law in Lisbon. So it, uh, people don't know, but it actually comes like a 10, 15 times more the cost uh, than regular plastic uh, plastic utensils. Uh, but we just decided, hey, we, we're going to use as the least amount of plastic possible within our, our means. There's other things that we can't do, but not because we don't want to do, but because there's actually lots and lots of hygiene regulations in, in Portugal uh, that don't allow us to use the most sustainable products. Because if we do use them, then we'd get fined for using them because yeah. they're not certificate. They don't have a certain type of certificate or they don't guarantee um, uh, full product uh, protection. So all these factors, sometimes uh, we live, we want to be ideal, but we, we can't we actually be. Compromise yeah, we have to compromise, like especially uh, when it comes up to um, hygiene products, uh, cleaning yeah. products. So we, we're not allowed to use a lot of the sustainable products out there because otherwise we get fined. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point as well, actually. Yeah. Um, so um, I would say that even though people are opening up to the, the concept of veganism, you can't really compare it to a city like uh, London, for example, where there's vegan shops in every corner. Jamit, I know you, you study there, correct? No, it was actually oh, there. Okay, he sorry. And I would just visit him. Uh, okay, sorry. So I'll get the, the fun part of eating out and yeah. stuff. Like <laughs> but, so I'm uh, sure... Yeah, I'm sure you can confirm this because I've only been there once, but from this is what I remember. I went uh, like maybe three or four years ago and I just remember it was like completely different from Portugal. So I was just curious, what was the initial reaction to, to your store here in Lisbon? Uh, in, in what sense? Sorry, I don't understand. The, Were, the uh, maybe like in terms of clients, did you have a lot of tourists? Were they more um, Portuguese? Did, did you see that? It was only the vegans that were going to your shop or was it uh, everyone that wanted to try? Maybe people didn't even know that it was a, a vegan store. 
Uh, initially, definitely the the vegan the bu- the vegan community is what generated the buzz about Scoop and Double because it was the first type of project in Portugal, and I would even say in Europe. No, yeah, yeah, in yeah, Europe. Europe itself, or maybe actually, in, in the whole, <laughs> if you count other countries, maybe it was the first type of project that included ice cream and donuts, whether mm-hmm. it's vegan or not. In but just then, be- becoming vegan. Uh, be- being a vegan shop made it even like uh, um, more even special. more unique. Yeah. So in that sense, the whole vegan community uh, has always shown massive excitement about our concept. So they started being our first clients. But I would say as time uh, went by, and uh, I guess we we do try to like my brother said, make sure that. Hey, our, the experience of coming to Scoop and Dough is for everyone. It's just not for vegans. So I would say right now, actually, 90% of our clients are not vegan, the, even the regular ones. Uh, they just enjoy a good, well-made product. And they're happy to contribute to... Uh, we speak to a lot of them. And they're just happy it's vegan, but it's not like the, the factor that makes them come back. Uh, yeah. The factor that yeah. makes them come back is just the fact that they like the product. Yeah. And this is what we want, yeah. actually. We want people to realize that, hey, they can have uh, good vegan food or delicious vegan food, desserts in our case, without uh, having to think too much about it. Because yeah. when, you, when you start comparing to other cities like London, um, what you see is that you have already highly specialized uh, concepts for vegan food that attract a lot of people. So the, naturally, the, the vegan... Um, like the plant-based concepts will have much uh, more quality and, and uh, uh, they develop a lot quicker when, when there's so, so much demand. And what, what was happening in Lisbon was that uh, there were just small hubs for, for vegan people, for, for vegan community back in the day when my brother turned vegan. So um, it would end up being very... Um, like a, a very closed environment yeah. just for the vegan community. And a lot of the times what the first contact that people had with vegan food here was um, not very pleasant because it was maybe at the canteen, uh, at the university um, yeah. or something like that. And that just kind of ruins the the image that you have for, for plant-based food. Yeah, exactly. You, you just immediately mm. start thinking, yeah, sorry. No, 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 keep going. Sorry. You just immediately start thinking that um, vegan food is, is just not decent. Um, there's no way that uh, vegan food can replace, uh, like, you can, that, there's no way that you can have a normal diet with vegan food. Yeah, and I think a few years ago as well, I think there was only really... Um, health-focused uh, vegan places, so, like, really health-oriented, and I think that kind of drew people further away from the concept of veganism because, you know, it was too out of reach for them, like, they could never do it. So, yeah, I think it's it's really stores like yours that em- help people embrace the veganism. Um, okay, so, uh, uh, speaking from personal experience, when I went vegan about six years ago, I went to several doctors and some of them seemed to have sort of a personal vendetta against veganism. I remember um, one time one doctor handed me a magazine with the title 
plants have feelings too. <laughs> so <laughs> that was, yeah, that, that was really weird. And they um, do, they do. <laughs> yeah. So I'm interested, since you're both from medical fields, did you maybe receive some pushback on your decision to go vegan? Um, I think I've had the most fight with that. Um, so uh, in, even in my nutrition career, um, I, I've had a, <laughs> my fresh share of, of arguments with other colleagues and with medical yeah. doctors. Uh, I think I've even had articles uh, like speaking bad about what, what, what I was saying. Because uh, right. uh, yeah, uh, I've had a lot of sports field, right? Yes, so, yeah. so it's even worse. So it's like yeah. a community where, where, where that thinks that you need to eat. Uh, well, at that time, not, no longer is the case, thank God. But um, uh, at that time when I was vegan, it, it was very, very uh, hostile. And so, the worst part, I think, was uh, the fact that you were also contributing to AVP, which is the national yeah um, portuguese uh, vegetarian association yeah. yeah so i was a dietitian there as well uh but i think in the sports world what was, what was a very very difficult i i've had a lot of uh arguments back and forth online in congresses uh just the fact that you support a, a vegan uh diet was considered to be insane like you have no scientific basis to to back up what you're saying which wasn't true but um as time evolved i guess things have changed now and uh, people are a lot more receptive uh to to understanding the science behind a, a plant-based diet or the environmental effects people do accept it now uh but at that time it was a constant battle I, i'm not saying that today there still isn't resistance but it's much less than before um, I do think just the science is evolving and as you get more and more information and exposure, uh, whether it's to documentaries, whether it's to TV, uh, uh, TV news or anything, it just makes you more sensible to the subject. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I completely agree with my brother, yeah. like back in the day when he turned vegan, and even I, even I was against him. <laughs> uh, sorry, I forgot to mention a huge fact. The reason why I wrote a book was to because I was constantly arguing with people, and I wrote a book on why you could follow a plant based diet in nutrition, I uh, in, in sports, yeah. because I was tired of, of arguing with everyone, and I wrote every single like scientific um, basis uh, on the two books I wrote: first in Portuguese and second in in English. And that was the whole basis of why I wrote the book is to yeah. make yeah. sure people have information that I've at least gone through. So, so I would say that maybe like the biggest thing that people say in the sports field would be that like plants don't have protein. And I, I know it's so tiring to hear that, but could you yes. like maybe um, clarify why this is a myth and it's actually nonsense for our listeners? Um, well, I, I am an ex-nutritionist, so I'm not sure if I should, <laughs> I'm entitled to, to, to speak about this, but I guess as an ex-dietitian, I will say that uh, uh, lack of protein usually happens uh, very rarely in the Western world, at least in the developed world. It does happen in, in more frequently in the uh, uh, underdeveloping countries, but it's not more to do with the food they eat. It's just to do with calories. Malnutrition. Yeah, so malnutrition. So if you are eating enough calories, it's likely that you're getting enough 
protein. Uh, even and when the studies sh- uh, compare different types of diets and how people uh, ingest protein, usually in developed countries, they end up exceeding regardless of diet because uh, is, protein is just so readily available in uh, almost all types of food. And even if I'm eating uh, s- uh, small sna- plant-based snacks, I do get some protein and you don't really need that much in a day unless you're an athlete and you have specific needs or specific disease, then it's a different uh, scenario. But even athletes eat, uh, get a lot of protein. Actually, the, the, my whole intervention when I was uh, a sports nutritionist was to get my athletes to eat less protein-rich foods because they were not having enough carbohydrate foods, which would then give them extra stamina or make sure they had extra energy to last the game or something. So my approach was completely different in that sense is just to get them, get them to eat less protein rich foods yeah, that's uh, they were having so much of it and um, yeah in uh, vegan diets is the same you, as long as you have a variety of foods and you're eating enough calories you get enough protein it's just you don't have to think too much about it i guess what um the baseline is is that science is constantly evolving in terms of evidence and still for like there's certain myths in in the medical field as well like uh whether protein is bad for, like protein shakes are bad for your kidneys or not um there are other myths like whether people with renal insufficiency should um should have a protein restriction or not is constantly being debated and there are constantly new articles and new evidence coming up and I guess that when you just turn a blind eye to new evidence, that, that becomes a problem. And um, we just need to, to keep looking forward to, to learning more and more about how to adapt our diets, but always considering the ethics that, and where food comes from. I guess if um, what we just want people to understand is uh, is this that they just become aware of where they f- their food comes from? Yeah, definitely. Okay, thank you for that. <laughs> um, okay, so now I have to say I've been to your cafe a lot of times. Basically, well, every time, <laughs> <laughs> every time I go to downtown Lisbon, and I really, really like your donuts, especially. My favorite one is the chocolate hazelnut cream. Highly recommend. Uh, But maybe our listeners might think I'm a bit biased since I'm the host today. So I just want to share this as well. You were rated number one as having the best vegan donuts in the world in 2020 by Happy Cow. Uh, For those who don't know, Happy Cow is like Sumatu, but for vegan restaurants. So I imagine that must feel really good, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, uh, I mean, we were taken by surprise last year, actually. Um, and we were even told by yeah. other donor shops yeah, that, um, we, that we were we had won this uh, award, like this recognition, and we were just uh, yeah surprised, surprised. Yeah, we um, had no clue. Yeah, we had no clue, and we didn't, <laughs> uh, because uh, we got the news basically at the same time as coronavirus started. Yeah, uh, we decided to delay like announcing it because we just didn't feel. I mean, at the time, everything was so uh, okay. and still is kind of like uncertain uh we didn't feel like it was okay to celebrate something while people were suffering obviously throughout the world and so we only announced it uh, very uh, quite a few months later 
but yeah, we we're just so like, um, how do you say? When we oh, opened, it, yeah, when we opened Skupanda, we never even aimed or even uh, uh, we even dreamed of of winning such a, a recognition. But um, I think at the same time, it's been because um, we always try to serve, and I'm not just bragging about this in a, in a in a way, but we do try to create an experience. That's always been our aim: is to make sure that people who come to Skupando uh, get the experience of eating a good quality product. And our philosophy, because we know a bit of the restaurant world and, and the hospitality world, it doesn't always work like that. People sometimes try to save too much on cost. They don't want to buy this brand or that brand because it's going to cost them more and they're going to have less of a margin. Uh, we actually completely the opposite. Uh, our mom, since we were uh, little kids, has always taught us, and this is actually true, always. Like every year she repeats the same conversation. When it comes to food, you guys don't save any money. Just buy the best quality. And I think we transported that philosophy to Skupando is that Hey, just don't worry too much about the price of what, what are you getting? For example, we buy the most expensive flour to my knowledge in Portugal. <laughs> but we don't really count the cost. We just say, hey, hey, this is the best quality. And it, uh, we tried it ourselves. We've tried different brands. And this is actually the best quality. So we just don't care about the price. We just buy it. And because we want to serve something that we'd have ourselves. Uh, we don't want to serve something that... Uh, like cost costs uh, just so that uh, uh, we can get more profit. Our idea is to get the experience. That's that's why we built Scoop Windows to get the ultimate experience for people and, and for people to remember. And at the end of the day, you you're kind of receiving people at, at home. We we need to make sure that people feel at home when they're at Scoop and Go, and they can count on having the best food served. And as my brother said, like we've we've been instilled with this sort of um, way of thinking, uh, ev like ever since we were young, um, by our by our mom especially. Yeah, and um, that obviously then gets transported to to the way we feel that the experience not only should be in the product the ingredients itself. Uh, it should be in the uh, also in the creativity for so we've separated like between brothers my brother takes care of all the donut creations i take care of all the ice cream and then we kind of obviously uh we're always talking yeah and talking always sharing and sharing ideas feedback and ideas we test a lot of stuff um uh but th then when it gets to the point where you say wow that's a really good tasty uh ice cream or donut then we launch it uh, so there's a criteria behind what we do. And there's also uh, then it transport to how we uh, serve everyone. Yeah. Because we, like my brother Definitely. said, we want to make people sure that they feel like they're part of our family. So um, I'm... I that's don't, that's yeah. what hospitality means. Yes. Like, so you're, you're receiving people and, and that's the the best feeling that you can get at any place uh, that serves food or coffee or drinks is that when when you're received in such a warm manner that you just feel like you're at home. And I'm sure that everyone who's listening has had this experience. And that's the sort of feeling that we want to transport to customers, that they're, just, they're not just customers, that they're people that are being received in a, a very warm place.
and that support our project. So it's like our way of saying thank you. Uh, there are simple things that uh, we try to do and we try to uh, uh, communicate to our team in how uh, to create this, this good uh, environment. environment. Yeah, well, it shows. Congratulations on the, the Thank prize. You. Thank you. <laughs> so is there any, I know these are very uncertain times, but uh, do you have any plans for the future? Any plans to expand or maybe just, you know, a new ice cream flavor? Well, for now, we definitely, the, the most future plan will be a new donut or a new ice cream flavor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, there are definitely various ideas. Obviously, expanding is, is one of them. But the, I, we don't feel like it's the right time to think about that right now. Yeah, since, like you said, the, the times are, are so uncertain. We never know when a new lockdown is going to come. But we are exploring uh, different, different ideas. And the best part is that we're getting such good feedback from people uh, that we just feel encouraged and motivated to keep growing and keep doing more and better. So that's the, uh, for us, that's the main part. If, if we can count on our community, then uh, we can reach anywhere. We've actually had a lot of uh, franchise offers and we still get them pretty much every other week. Uh, but we refuse it because uh, we not only at this this moment we're not uh, in a structure or have the philosophy of doing franchise, uh, but we don't want to become that commercial place like you know like that has no feeling behind it. If we grow, we want to make sure we grow uh, in the way that it matches our values and philosophy, without giving up the the care for the customer or like. Uh, ingredients wise also we don't want to take shortcuts into making easy to produce uh, lots of quantities of, of of things because right now we're doing a lot of people don't know but we do pretty much everything small batch so that's why we can keep a better control of what we serve to our customers uh, the challenge when you grow is always like how do you uh, upscale. yeah how do you upscale your production without losing the quality And that for us will be a challenge. So we'll only take that step when we feel confident that, hey, we are now able to serve the same quality in two stores or three stores as we, we, we're doing right now. And at the yeah. same time, it's, it's um, mainly what my brother said as well. Like we currently also due to the circumstances, we kind of uh, centralize a lot of uh, functions and tasks upon ourselves. Like, We take care of photography, video content, um, social media, uh, donut creation, ice cream creation. We take care of logistics in terms of buying ingredients and uh, sorting out all the suppliers and all of that, which are constantly changing. So it's a lot of um, it's a lot of work to be done, and uh, especially for two people who are who who are. Who were uh, unqualified for that? So it's been a, a learning curve for us as well, and uh, we're just so lucky that we we've been uh, accepted by with such a great feedback from people. Yeah, I think that's a great philosophy as well. Keep it, you know, tight. I guess keep it in the family and try to have the best quality you can. Okay. 
So right. uh, we're sure. almost at the end of this interview. I just have one last question for you because this is a, a podcast dealing with sustainability. I would like to ask you as vegans and business owners that, you know, you already have such a positive impact on the world. How do you look into the future uh, with regards to climate change and other sustainability related issues? Would you say that you're optimistic or pessimistic? I think that's a very tough Yeah, question. it's a hard one. <laughs> uh, you know, there's this thing called uh, pessimist optimism. Uh, so I, I would say that that's, that's where we stand. Because we, at the same time that we are always hopeful and we always see the light at the end of the tunnel, there's just so much to be done, so much work to be, to be um, carried out. And uh, we just need to influence people and um, inform them to, to have better and more conscious uh, decisions regarding their, their consumption, that it, it becomes a very tough job. But fortunately, there's an ever-growing number of businesses and Uh, communities and institutions that work towards this same purpose that is to I wouldn't say like that, that have this mission to, to stop climate change in and um, help people be better informed but it's obviously a big challenge and for us when, when we think about the impact that we we're personally having it's sometimes hard to draw uh, a curve or a graph of the impact that we've had because at the end of the day, it, it's just such an indirect way of, of uh, influencing people towards veganism that it becomes uh, sort of a small drop on in the ocean. Yeah. Okay. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast, guys. It was really nice to have you. It was our pleasure. I, I wish you, you the well. best of luck. For those of you who are listening, make sure to go follow Scoop and Doe on Instagram. You'll find the handle in the description of this podcast. And next time, you know where to stop for a quick bite. See you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Green is a New Black. We hope you enjoyed and we will see you soon on the next episode.